Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast. Our vision is to create moments that change lives. We pray that these weekly messages will be a moment in your day that leads to a change in your life. For more information, visit us online at LifeGateBurleson.com. Well, hey, I'm excited because today we're starting a brand new series. It's called David. Everybody say David. David. I know we got a little real creative with the series title on this one. Obviously, we're going to be talking about the guy in the Bible named David. In fact, help me out today all over the room. A little survey. How many of you have heard of or know some of the stories from the Bible about David? Come on, raise your hand. Everybody look around. That's pretty much everybody that's here today. Maybe you grew up in Sunday school. Maybe you knew some of the stories. Maybe you don't know all of the stories, but help me out with this one. How many of you have at least heard about David and Goliath? Come on, right? Right, yeah. I mean, he is a very famous person, not just in the Bible. Like, David is someone who's famous in culture, in history. Like, we made statues out of him that are in, you know, Italy, in the museum. Like, he's a, he's a guy that when you're watching sports or ESPN, I mean, they talk about him when there's an underdog. I mean, it's a David and Goliath kind of a story. Hundreds, thousands of parents have named their child after this guy, David. He is a very famous person in the Bible and in history, and yet what we often don't realize is that maybe he didn't really start out being famous. In fact, he started out just being kind of a regular, ordinary guy. The Bible says that he was, he was a shepherd, a shepherd boy who was tending to a flock of sheep, and yet God saw something more inside of David's life. God took this ordinary person and he used him in in extraordinary ways. And that's really good news today because some of you are here today and and maybe you're in the room and maybe you're the person that's kind of the best of the best, you know, maybe you're the one that like won all the awards in high school and you were voted most likely to succeed. Or maybe you were the, you know, the, the, the prom king or the homecoming queen or the star football player. Like if that's you here today, I've got good news for you. Ready for this? God can still use you. But I got better news, all right? And that's for most of us that are in this room today. God actually specializes in using ordinary people. And that's good news because I look around today, and when I look around, you know what I see? I see a whole bunch of ordinary people, all right? And some of y'all are giving me a look, and that's okay, because when I look in the mirror, you know what I see? I see a very ordinary person. And yet that's the good news, is that this is how God works. God specializes in taking ordinary people like you and me and using them for incredible things. In fact, that's the story of David. That's kind of the overarching theme of this whole story and of this whole series is that David was just an ordinary person and yet God saw something more in David. And that's the key thought today and really through this whole series, the key thought is this, is that you were made for more. Everybody look at your neighbor, tell them, come on, you were made for more. You were made for more. God has more in store for you. You may only see yourself as maybe just an ordinary person, but God sees more inside of you. He has created you for a purpose. In fact, that word more has been a big word for us this year. You know, if you haven't been around, you know, uh, since the first year, I'll catch you up. At the beginning of the year, we had, we had a word that we felt like God put on our hearts and that word was more. And we said, we believe that God has more this year that he wants to do in our lives and in our church. And we started out the year just talking 
talking about how God wants to do more for you. And we had these big letters that spelled more across the front. And we, we gave you an opportunity to come and write prayer requests and needs and things that you were believing God to do for you. And what's cool is that so many of those prayer requests have been, have been answered. You can see it out there, circles uh, on the wall of people that, have, that God has answered their prayer. And maybe, maybe you wrote some things on the wall during that time. Maybe God hasn't answered your prayer yet. I want to encourage you. The year's not over. Come on, there's still more that God wants to do for you, right? And then we kind of took a little bit of a shift around, around March or so, and we said, hey, not only does God want to do more for you, but God also wants to do more in you. Come on, we talked about how he wants to make us more like his son, Jesus, and he's growing us, and he's discipling us, and so God wants to do more for you and more in you. But now in this series, what we're going to look at is we're going to look at the fact that not only does he want to do more for you and more in you, that God actually wants to do more through you. That maybe even the more that he's done for you and that he's doing in you might actually lead to the more that he wants to do through you. That maybe you come in today and maybe you go, I, you know, I don't see myself as a leader. Maybe you think, I, I'm just an ordinary, you know, shepherd boy. Or, or maybe, maybe to make it more modern day, you're, you're going, man, I'm just an ordinary housewife. I'm just, I'm just an ordinary school teacher. I'm just, I'm just an ordinary IT guy. Or I'm just an ordinary, you know, kind of a student. Or I, I'm just an ordinary person. But I got to tell you that God sees more than that inside of you. That he has made you for more. In fact, that leads me to my first thought today. If you're taking notes, you can write it down. And that is this, that God has already picked you. Come on, everybody point at yourself and say, God picked me. Come on. He picked you. He picked me. Just like he picked David. In fact, we see this in the story of David in our passage. Look at this in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter number 16 and verse number 1. Let's read it together. It says, And the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. For I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem, for I have what? Everybody say this word aloud. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. Verse 4, Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him, and they asked, do you come in peace? And Samuel replied, yes, in peace I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. And then they consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. And when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands before, here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord what? Looks at the hearts. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Then Jesse had Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen any of these. So he asked Jesse, are, there, are these all the sons that you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. And Samuel said, send for him, and we will, sit, we will not sit down until he arrives. And so he sent for him and had him brought in, and he was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. And the Lord said, rise and anoint him, for this is the one. Man, I love that. 
Here's, here's David out in the field with the sheep, and he comes before Samuel, and Samuel goes, this is the one that God has picked. Nobody else picked him. Nobody else saw it in him, but God saw him as the king. You know what I love is that that's every single one of us here today. Maybe you don't even see it in yourself. Maybe no one else sees those qualities in you. But can I tell you, God picked you. He has chosen you to lead. He has, he has made you for more. In fact, I love the way that the scripture talks about it in the book of 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. Look what Peter says. He says, for you are a what? A chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation. God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Some of you say, man, I don't know if God can use me, but the passage says you're called, you're chosen, you're, you're royal, and that God has picked you for a purpose. Like he chose you not just so that you could be chosen, he chose you so that you could show God's work from your life to the lives of others. And even if nobody else sees it in you, God sees it in you. And I think about David. Nobody else saw greatness in him. Nobody else saw him being a king. They just saw him as a little shepherd boy. I mean, think about it. Here's Samuel. He shows up and he says, hey, you know, bring your sons. And of course, he does what most of us do. The first son, Eliab, comes out and he's tall and he's handsome. And he's muscular. He's like your pastor. You know what I'm saying? And, Y'all don't laugh so hard. That hurts my feelings, right? And he thinks, man, surely this is the one. It can't be that little shepherd boy. It's got to be this one. And God goes, no, it's not that one. Like Samuel didn't see it in David. Think about David's own dad didn't even see it in him. I mean, think about this for a minute. How many dads do we have in the house today? All the dads in the house. If somebody showed up at your house, right, and said, hey, get all your sons together, and one of them is going to be the next, you know, millionaire, or one of them is going to be the next president of the United States or whatever, how many dads in the house would make sure you got all your sons, right? What is going on here? He gets, he gets seven sons, but he, he doesn't get David? What, what's the deal? In fact, some scholars say that the reason that Jesse didn't bring David in from the field, from the pasture, was because he was quite possibly an illegitimate son. In fact, that the prophet was there and he was embarrassed of this son because he was illegitimate and didn't want the prophet to know. Think about that. Think about the rejection that David must have felt like his own dad didn't even see him as son worthy, let alone king worthy. Some of you feel that. You go, how could God choose me? My own dad didn't even choose me. My own parents don't even believe in me. David's brothers didn't believe in him. And we're going to find later when we talk about how David went to deliver food to him in the battlefield and how they, under, they undervalued him and they didn't appreciate him and they underestimated him and, and his, his own brothers didn't even see it. Let me just tell you this. David didn't even see it in himself. As we study through the story of David, you're going to see in this series, you see David struggle with some own personal insecurities. In fact, there's this one verse that, that we'll get to later in the series, but it's found in 2 Samuel chapter 5. And look what it says. It says, and David realized that the Lord had confirmed him as king over Israel. Now, when you read that verse, it doesn't seem like a big deal until you realize that that verse, when it says David finally realized that he was king, he had already been king for seven years before he actually realized that he was king. 
Like he didn't even see it in himself even after he became king. He didn't see himself as king. And some of you like, you feel that because you're, you're hearing me saying you're made for more and God has picked you for something great and he's called you to lead and you're going, but my own parents don't believe in me. My own brothers and sisters don't believe in me. I don't even believe in myself. And here's what I want to encourage you with today that God sees in you what nobody else sees in you. He has picked you for a purpose that he has called you to live on this planet. He's already picked you. But then I want you to notice the second thing, and that is this, that not only has God already picked you, but God is always preparing you. He's preparing you. See, sometimes, sometimes we get this idea that, okay, yeah, all right, I'm taking a hold of that. I am picked. I am chosen. God does have something great for me. And so we think that as soon as God speaks over us, then the promise is going to come to pass. Come on, anybody ever been there before, right? Like, like we have our plan. How many of you have, you have a plan for your life? Come on, right? We have our plan. But how many know then there's our plan, but then there's also... God's plan, right? And most of the time, our plan is like straight up and to the right. God's plan looks a little different. In fact, I, I put God's plan up there compared to our plan. Put that, put that up there for us today, guys. Do we have it? There it is. How many, how many recognize that, right? Like, that's my plan. I mean, can you imagine as David is like, oh, hey, yeah, okay. I'm anointed as king. Cool. I'm going straight to the palace. But God had a kind of a, a different way that he was going to get him there, right? And sometimes what we don't realize is that God's plan looks different than our plan and we get, we get frustrated because we're like, we're like, I've been picked to be the king, but now I'm back out in the palace. I mean, back out in the pasture. I mean, think about that, right? David didn't go straight to the palace. After he was anointed king, where'd he go? Back out to the pasture, take care of the sheep. And can you imagine what, what that was like? And yet in the middle of that, guess what was happening? God was preparing him. He was molding him. He was shaping him. He was making him ready so that when that time came, that he could lead in the way that God called him to lead. In fact, just think about some of the things that happened while David was out in the pasture. First of all, Bible says, he said, I I fought a lion and I fought a bear. Now, what was happening there? He wasn't just protecting the sheep. You know what was happening? God was preparing him because it wasn't going to be long and he was going to have to fight a giant. Some of you are fighting some battles right now. Guess what? Those battles that you're fighting right now may just be God preparing you for other things that you're going to face later in your life. What else did he do while he was out in the pasture? Well, he learned how to tend to sheep. He learned how to be a shepherd. And guess what? It wasn't just about being a shepherd of sheep. He was actually learning how to be a shepherd of people. Because how many know people and sheep are kind of the same sometimes, Right? <laughs> That one day he was going to be more than just the shepherd of his father's sheep. He was going to be the leader, the king, the shepherd of all of Israel. And so God had to prepare him, had to teach him how to lead. In fact, some of the things that he learned about being a shepherd actually taught him some amazing things in that time about the good shepherd. It was out of those experiences in the pasture that he would actually write what became one of the most famous psalms of all, Psalm 23, where he says, the Lord is my shepherd. He would have never been able to write that if he didn't have that preparation time in the pasture. What else was happening? As he's out in the pasture, I can just imagine. He gets his harp, sitting up on the hillside. He's playing his harp. He's singing some worship songs to God. You know, it was in that moment. It wasn't just that he was singing those songs or he was having that time of worship. He was actually learning a skill that would later become the skill that would open the door for him to get his foot into the 
palace because remember what happened Saul starts having a hard time and he starts dealing with some stuff and what does he say he says hey find somebody that can come somebody that knows how to play the harp somebody that knows how to that knows how to worship the Lord somebody that has favor on his life and one of Saul's servants says well I know this guy Jesse's son his name is David he knows how to play the harp he's a good looking guy he's got favor on his life and Saul brings him into the palace his open door into the palace was not was not as the king it was actually as a servant to the king. It was the things that he learned when he was in the pasture. It was the things that he learned in the waiting time that were preparing him for the moment when the promise would come true in his life. Some of you, that's what you're feeling right now. You're going, man, I'm in the pasture time. I know that God's got me a promise, but I'm in this time of waiting and I want to encourage you in the waiting time. If you feel like you're out in the pasture, it might be that God is preparing you for what he has for you. Because God's already picked you. God is always preparing you. But then I want you to notice the third thing. If you will be faithful, God will eventually promote you. If you'll be faithful, God will eventually promote you in his time. But here's the problem. Is that sometimes we get in a hurry. Come on, anybody ever got in a hurry before? Anybody ever thought, man, God, why are you taking so long, right? Can you imagine what that was like for David? Imagine as he gets anointed to be the king, then he's got to go back out to the pasture with the sheep. It would have been easy to get frustrated. Imagine, it would have been easy for David to get an attitude. Anybody ever, have any of you, your kids ever get an attitude, you know, right? Can you imagine if he's, here he is, he's dealing with the sheep, but now he's been anointed king. It would have been real easy for him to be like, hey, I'm the next king. Kings don't deal with sheep, you know? Kings don't hang out in pastures. Kings are supposed to be in supposed to be in palaces, right? But that's not the attitude that he had. What did he do? He just kept serving faithfully until the appointed time that God had for him. And you see it, you see it over and over. I mean, he goes to the palace, but he doesn't go to the palace as a king. He goes as a servant. He's playing his harp and it wasn't exactly a good work environment because Saul gets kind of jealous of him, starts trying, we're going to learn this next week, starts trying to throw spears at him. He's ducking spears. I mean, you think your boss is bad? You know what I'm saying? This is, this is bad stuff, right? And he could have had an attitude like, what is up with this? But what did he do? He just kept serving faithfully. Saul gets so crazy that David has to leave and he's being chased and he's hiding in caves and Saul's coming after him and there's this one story we'll, we'll talk about it in this series too where David is in the cave and Saul just happens to come into the same cave that David is in to go to the bathroom tell me the Bible is not funny come on right and he could have like David could have killed him Saul didn't know he was there but he wouldn't do it why because he understood this incredible principle he understood the principle that says this I can't promote myself it's only got to be God that puts me on the throne. It's only God that can promote me in his timing. And sometimes it's tempting when you know you have a promise from God and you know you're in that preparation time and you're in that, in that season where it feels like, man, I'm waiting. I'm, I'm kind of out in the pasture when I really feel like I ought to be in the, in the palace and living out the, the promise. It's easy sometimes to get frustrated it's easy sometimes to try to take matters into your own hands. It's easy, it's easy sometimes to just, to just say, man, I'll, just, I'll promote myself. Like, 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 I'll make things happen for myself. And here's what I want you to get here today. Like, you can do that. You can make things happen for yourself. You might even be able to get the position. But if you do it on your own, you'll have the position. 
but you won't have the blessing. And that's such a powerful thought because sometimes we, we want to outrun God and we want to do things in our own way and in our own time. But David understood, hey, I could be the king right now, but I wouldn't have the blessings of God on my life. And so what do I have to do? I have to be faithful. I have to be consistent and I have to trust God that he picked me and he's preparing me. And if I'll be faithful, eventually he will promote me. So what do you do? Maybe some of you are in that place today and you're struggling with that. You're, you're in the waiting season. What do you do today? Well, I'll tell you, I, I think one of the passages of scripture that has helped me the most when I've been seasons like that, I've memorized it because it's, it's such a powerful verse in my life. It's found in Galatians chapter six and verse nine. And this is what Paul says to do. He says, let us not grow weary in doing good. For what? At the proper what? At the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. What does he say? Hey, he says, at the proper time. What's the proper time? When's the proper time? I don't know. If I knew, I'd tell you, but I don't know. God knows the time. But here's what I want to tell you. God doesn't tell us in this passage when the proper time is, but he does tell us what to do in the meantime, while we're waiting for the proper time. And look what he says, just a couple of things. He says, don't grow weary. Everybody say, don't grow weary. Don't grow weary. Some of you are here today, you're tired. Guess what? It's okay to be tired. I get tired sometimes too. All of us get tired. But here's what you gotta understand. There's a difference between being tired and being weary. When you're tired, you know what you need? You need sleep. Not during the sermon, all right, you know, but when you're tired, you need a nap. When you're weary, you don't need sleep. You don't need a nap. You know what you need? You need hope. And some of you are here and you're weary. And you're going, man, I've been waiting so long for the promise that God has for me. And here's the hope. The waiting time is not a wasted time. The pasture time is a preparation time for that moment when the promise comes true in your life. So if you're weary, take hope. Don't grow weary. And then what does he say? He says, don't grow weary in doing good. Here's the, third, the second thing. Don't stop doing good. Sometimes when we get tired, we stop doing the good things that we were doing. Guess what? It's okay to get tired. When you're tired, rest, but don't stop. When you're tired, take a break, take a week off, take a vacation, but don't stop doing the good thing that God called you to do. Don't stop serving in the life, kids. Don't stop being on the worship team. Don't stop serving at your home. Don't stop leading your family. Don't stop doing the good things that God has placed in your heart and in your life to do. You might get tired. You might take a break, but then you, when, once you've taken a nap, you get up and you serve some more because it's those who are faithful consistently over time. In the proper time, that's when he's going to bring the harvest in our life that if we will be faithful with the small things and not grow weary in the little things that then he will bring the big things in our lives as we trust in him so we don't go weary we don't stop doing good and we don't give up here's the deal it's tempting sometimes when you're in the waiting moments and you're wondering like is it ever even going to happen for me is the promise. I, I know, Pastor, you said I was made for more, but I'm not seeing that more happen in my life. Is, is it ever going? It's easy and it's tempting to want to give up. But here's what I want to tell you. The only way to make sure you don't see the promise is to quit. 
You see, the promise is going to come in the proper time, in God's time. It might be a week, it might be a year, it might be 10 years, but it will come. Why? Because he promised it. And the only way to not experience it is to quit. So that's my challenge for you today. God made you for more. Some of you, that's going to be a revelation. Whoa, wait, like God doesn't want to just do more for me and more in me. Like he wants to use me so that he can do more for others and more in others because of me. That's the revelation today. And you need to hear it. God made you for more. He's working in your life because he wants to use you to work in the lives of others. He picked you. He sees in you what you don't even see in yourself. But it's not just straight from that to the promise. He's going to prepare you. There's going to be waiting seasons. There's going to be times. There's going to be There's going to be pasture times in your life, but those pasture times are preparation times. And if you'll be faithful, if you don't get weary, and when you get tired, you don't stop doing good, and you don't give up at the proper time, at God's time, the promise is going to come to pass in your life if you just keep trusting in him.